Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. I want to, I guess I want to share a thought with you today. Um, Something that I've been thinking about, and it stems from a conversation that I had quite a while ago on Facebook. Have any of you ever had that experience where somebody who you haven't seen in like, I mean, this was like 25 years. I've not seen this guy in 25 years, and he added me as a friend on Facebook. Has anyone had anything like that where you've had this blast from the past? Well, there was this guy called Andrew Haynes, and he adds me on Facebook. And Andrew at school was... um, trying to think of a polite way to describe him. He was the kid who was the last to get picked for football. He was the kid who was the, the, the last to answer the question correctly in maths or history or English. And he wasn't artistic and he wasn't charismatic. He was the, the bottom of the class kid. And... Um, and I didn't get on with him at all, if I'm honest. Like, back at school, we, we rowed a lot. And we argued a lot. And he picked on my little brother a lot, which I didn't like. And so we kind of constantly butted heads. And then he adds me on Facebook. And I'm like thinking, Andrew, how dare you? <laughs> and I thought, well, it would be quite nice to see how much better than him I'm doing. <laughs> And so I accepted his request, and I started chatting. And he was really, really friendly. And I'm thinking, you clearly don't remember what school was like for us. And uh, we're chatting, so I was just like, oh, yeah, like I'm doing, oh, you know, life's incredible, of course. But you know how it is when you're me. Uh, and I was like, how are things with you? And I was like, yes, this is the bit. <laughs> and he said, not too bad, I'm just recovering. And I was like, yes, that sounds good. What are you recovering from? And he said, well, I just won a silver medal in the Olympics. (laughs) And honestly, I went to the photos. I'm like, is this actually Andrew? Is this the same guy? And he's in Team GB. I couldn't believe it. He does like kung fu, taekwondo, those kind of limbs that didn't work in sports when he was 10 all of a sudden came into their own when he was 15. He suddenly found out that his long legs and arms were good for kicking people. <laughs> like, who knew? And I felt terrible. Not because I was, I was terrible, but I felt worse now. Because I was suddenly like, ah, oh, you're successful. <laughs> and life is going really, really well for you. And I felt like, all of a sudden, I felt like there was something missing in my life, like a silver medal from the Olympics which is, in fairness, still missing in my life. Uh, but it, it, it made me think, like it made me think about success, right? It made me think, like, what, what was I valuing my life on? What was I judging my score <laughs> based on? Um, clearly not silver medals. Or, and I think that there's, there's different things that we all choose, whether we mean to or whether we think about it or not. There's things that we expect to happen. There's things that we expect in life that we want, and it might be something as simple as, as fun and laughter and joy. It, it might be uh, money. It could be success, however you define that. It could be to make a difference. 
But we all have something, whether we've thought about it or not, which grabs us inside and, and, and pulls us forward. And, and sometimes it gives us happiness and sometimes it doesn't, depending on how we believe we're doing compared to it. Uh, and in the Bible, there's this same idea that the Jews had. They had this thing. And, and for them, this idea of success was wrapped up with, with fulfillment, with, with feeling fulfilled, with being fulfilled. And they believed that fulfillment would come when they reached the promised land. That was how they saw it. They had this idea, we've got the promised land. When we get there, life will be sorted. It's going to be amazing. And um, the, this story goes all the way through the Old Testament. And there's this, there's this character called Moses, and he comes in. And at this point, Israel are slaves. And he comes in, and, and he performs these like crazy, incredible, wacky miracles, like kind of like reading a sci-fi film or a horror film kind of stuff, rivers turning to blood, frogs attacking people. Like, it's like super crazy. And he frees Israel from slavery. And he goes to a river, the river parts. Like we probably all know the story. The river parts, and they just trot through the river. Their enemies come, the river comes, smashes the enemies. It's epic. It's incredible. And they get to this desert. And this wilderness, and then it's like God just provides. And he provides, and he provides, and he provides. And it's, it's just miracle after miracle after miracle. It's amazing. And they're like, the promised land, the promised land. I can imagine them just kind of singing, you know, going to the promised land. Like, it'd be, that's how they would have been. It would literally have been like, out of Egypt, let's go to the promised land. And then halfway there, they get to this mountain called Mount Sinai. And Moses goes to the top of the mountain, and God speaks to him. And God gives him the Ten Commandments. And a lot of people misunderstand what the Ten Commandments are all about. Really, the Ten Commandments are teaching people who have been born and raised as slaves how to be fully human again. That's their intention, to, to help them discover this, this fulfilled life. To help them know when they get their promised land how to survive within it without ending up as slaves again. And that's great. And then they get to the promised land eventually, and it doesn't kind of go so well. I mean, they, they turn around, they run away, and they end up in circles, and their kids get to the promised land, but it's never quite as fulfilling as they hoped when they got there. Do you know, who, who finds that? Who finds that they get their silver medal in the Olympics, and it's still there's something still missing? You know, we often get to that point, I'll be happy when I'm married. You get married. Well, I'll be happy when I have kids. You get kids. Okay, I'm less happy. I'll be happy when the kids leave home. <laughs> and then they leave home, you're like, I feel so lonely. I'll be happy when we got grandkids. That, and it's like you always look for the next thing. I'll be fulfilled when I'm at the next level. And that's like the story of Israel. They're always looking for the next thing. It's never quite right. It's never quite perfect. Uh, and the Old Testament, the, the first half of the Bible, finishes with this kind of cliffhanger. This tension, this like, it's not fixed. It, it didn't happen. The promised land wasn't that good. There must be something more. And then we move into the second half of the Bible called the New Testament. And this starts with the story of Jesus. And I've been reading the book of Matthew. And it's absolutely fascinating because Matthew really wants us to understand something at the start. He, he, he describes the birth of Jesus. And then the first thing that Jesus does 
when he begins his ministry, as he goes and he gets baptized, he literally passes through water to enter his ministry. He then finishes being baptized and he heads straight out into the wilderness where he, he suffers temptation and he says, I will only get through this by relying on God. And then he comes out of the wilderness and the first thing he does is he heads up a mountain. And as we're reading this book, we should be thinking, this sounds familiar. I recognize this story. Where have I heard this before? Oh yeah, it's a parallel of the journey of the Israelites who went through water into the wilderness and then went up a mountain. And at the top of the mountain, they were, they were given the Ten Commandments. And I want to read this passage in Matthew 5. Because it is, in my opinion, outside of the crucifixion, this may well be the most important passage in the entire Bible. I think it's that significant in our lives. So before I read it, actually I've got a bookmark. Why am I flicking through? It's right here. Before I read it, it's in Matthew 5. You can look for it. I want to give you a little bit more background to what's happening right now. Because Jesus has started his ministry, and he starts it by going around to these villages and collecting like teenage fishermen. And Israel was a poor place. Like, there's parts which are pretty poor now, but if you look back 2,000 years, it was poor. And it was really rural as well. There was lots of communities outside of the cities. But they weren't like big communities. These were like tiny communities. Jesus was from a place called Nazareth. Nazareth was probably like 40, 50 people. It, it was like four or five families. This is like the small, tight-knit villages. And, and the rabbis, they wouldn't go out there. They would stay in the cities where the hubbub was and the important people and the rich people. And so there was this huge divide between urban and, and country. There was this huge divide between rich and poor. And what Jesus does is so countercultural. He goes out of the city. He goes from where all the wealth and the important people are. And he starts going to these, these poor little villages. And he goes up to these teenagers. And he's like, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. Be part of my movement. Come and follow me. And I can imagine them following Jesus just like, like what are we going to do? Like, can you imagine if I turned around to you right now and I said, come and follow me because I need to plant a new church and you're going to do it. How many people would be like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. You'd probably be like, um, how do I lead a church? How, how, um, how do I preach? How do I, what happens if I get this wrong? What happens if I say something and it's blasphemy and everyone goes to hell because I said the wrong? You'd be thinking these sorts of thoughts. You'd be like... What if I just make a complete idiot of myself? What if people start hating God because of my mistakes? What if I get this wrong? What, I don't know how to speak like good in front of people, or, or I don't know the Bible off by heart, or I don't know this big, like, these are the sorts of thoughts they were thinking. This is the feelings that they had. They were like, Jesus is saying this huge thing to them, and they were completely unprepared. So he pulls them away, and he goes up a mountain, and these are the words that he speaks to them. Matthew 5. Starting at verse 3, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers 
for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. And in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus is speaking to these, these, these young guys, and he says, blessed are the poor. Now there's something that I want you to understand about this. Because this word blessed is amazing. It's this incredible word. The word in Greek is makarios. And it, it literally means the divine life, like the life of the gods. If you imagine you're in Greece and, and you, you were talking about Apollo. He's Greek, isn't it? I've got the right ones. I always get the Roman and the Greek gods mixed up. We're going with Apollo or Mars. It's Mars, isn't it? Thank you, Simon. It's Apollo. Uh, and you're talking, like, what would it be like to be Apollo? What would the life of Apollo be like? And you'd be like, it would be fighting and blood and battles and victory. It would be wine and women. The life of the gods would be awesome. And, you know, all the people in the capital, they'd be trying to lead the life of the gods. That would be like the goal. Imagine if I was the king what would be better than that? Would well, to be living like a god? And this is the word makarios. Makarios, bloodshed and battle. Makarios, women and wine. And, and Jesus is using the same word, makarios. And he's saying the life of the gods, the divine life, is for the poor in spirit. It's for those who haven't got it all sorted out. It's for those who don't know what they're doing. It's for those who didn't pass their GCSEs. It's for those who can't speak good. It's for those who feel completely out of their depth. He's saying these are the people who are going to find the promised land. That this land that you've been promised, this land of fulfillment, doesn't come by being powerful. It comes by being poor in spirit. In fact, the, the third beatitude is blessed are the meek is exactly the same thing. It, the meek will inherit this earth. So Jesus is basically saying, you're starting as my disciples. The first thing I want you to know is that it doesn't start with you. It starts with God. It all starts with God, not with you. There's nothing that you can do that would earn it. There's nothing you can do which would force God to do it. God just wants to come and give you a gift. And he says, you know, he'll come if you're weak. He'll come if you're mourning. We've had this summer of change. And the truth is that every change comes with pain Every pain with loss, every loss with mourning. It's like change is always going to hurt. And we're a church which is constantly changing. I remember Frank Green saying, you know, change is here to stay. Like we need to just accept it. We're changing and we're going to lose things. You know, the disciples he spoke to, almost every single one of them lost their life. It's like, blessed are those who mourn because you can't do anything about it when you're there. And he says, you're blessed because not of what you're doing, but because of what God will do to you. It all starts with God. 
But then, then he changes direction. In verse, verse 6, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Righteousness in the Bible is always an act. It's not like this inner feeling of being right. It's, it's the actions that you do which show the inner feeling. Jesus is saying, God comes to you first and he fills you, but then what happens inside should come out. That's when you know he's done it because what happens inside is coming out. It's like what you're sowing should be what you're showing. A very clever 22-year-old on our weekend away last week told me that. What God does on the inside should come out. And then you go through and it keeps on going in this pattern. He goes on, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. It's then going back internal again. Blessed are you when you've got your inside sorted out. And then it's blessed are the peacemakers. You can only be a peacemaker when you have peace inside first. It's the only way it works. What Jesus is doing is he's showing this rhythm of grace. It's like this internal, external, internal, external, internal, external. What I've found in my life is that I will, I will just seek God. And I'll seek him, and I'll seek him, and I'll seek him. And after a while, I'll be like, there's something wrong here because there's nothing happening outside of church. There's nothing happening in my work. I'm not, I'm not sharing the gospel. I'm not sharing with this anybody else. It somehow becomes introverted. And then what I do is I'll be like, so I'm just going to go all out, and I'm going to devote myself. I'm going to tell everyone I see about Jesus. I'm not going to stop until I've transformed this world, whether they like it or not. Six months later, I'm burnt out, and I'm, I'm like, oh, I just need to go back to a hospital. So I go to like my spiritual hospital. I'm like, Jesus, help me again. Make me strong. Fill me up again. And then I'm like, oh, I'm filled up. And this is good. And so I stay in my safe place. I stay in my safe place. I stay in my safe place. Then Andy Hawthorne will preach. I'll be like, okay, I've got to go out. And I'll go out and I'll start telling people again. And then I'll get tired again. I'll be like, where's my safe place? And it's like this pendulum that I swing like this. And it's not healthy. And it's not good. And it doesn't help me and it doesn't help others. And I see other people do this other thing. What they do is they'll be like, well, Tim's an evangelist. So Tim, your job is to go and do the external stuff. And Pete, you're a prophet. So you do the, the hearing God stuff. And I'll be a pastor and I'm just going to sit here and hug some people and we'll have a lovely little party here. And then we're all doing it. And we kind of completely miss out on the fulfilled life on the fullness of what God wants for each and every one of us. I don't believe Jesus is saying any of these things in this. I believe he's talking about a rhythm, this pattern that starts with God and it gets bigger and it gets deeper and it gets stronger. It's like breathing. You have to breathe in and breathe out. I don't need to teach you this. You're doing it right now. Otherwise, you'd be looking very different it's like Jesus teaching us is breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Did you know that you breathe at 25% of your, of your lungs effectiveness? You only use 25% of the effectiveness of your lungs. We breathe badly. And did you know that your lungs give you 90% of your energy? At least that's what Google told me today. The way that you breathe is going to determine the effectiveness that you have in your life, 
but it's also going to determine whether you fulfill what it is that God has made you to be. Some of us get asphyxiated because we just breathe in. And others suffocate because we're only breathing out. We need to learn the rhythms of grace that God just wants to pour through you. Do you want to know something that I learned a couple of weeks ago? Some of you may know this. I'd like you all to try this with me, just for kicks. Biggest breath you can take, breathe it in. I'll count to three and do it, so just let that one go. (laughs) I'll count to three. We're all going to breathe in as big as we can, and then I'll start counting, and I want you to all hold your hands up, and you can bring it down when you've run out of breath. Yeah? So one, two, three. (gasps) I'll have to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, don't pass out, eighteen, nineteen, I don't know why my hand's up, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, you're going red, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-seven, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, 40, we're going to be here a long time, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, don't die Tim, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, okay, pause there, breathe, 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 I'm scared for you, (laughs) I'm genuinely scared for you, but if ever I need anyone to die for pearls, I've already made a short list. (laughs) Now get, your, get back, get your breath, get comfortable again, and we're going to do this again. But I want to teach you a different technique. What we're going to do this time, rather than trying to take the biggest breath we can <gasps> and holding it, I want you to breathe out and get rid of all the air that you have inside you, like literally like, until you've got nothing left. And then don't try to breathe in, just let your lungs reinflate on their own and then see how long you can hold it. Does that make sense? You get what I'm saying? You're breathing out. And then you just have a normal lung full. You get it? Some of you will see, okay? I'll do one, two, three, and then breathe out. One, two, three. Just let it back in. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, this isn't working, 49, 48, 50, 51, and we're 53, okay, that's fine. 
Out of curiosity, put your hand up if you were able to hold your breath longer having breathed out before you breathed in. No one. You all defy science, which means that I did this wrong. So that was a beautiful illustration of how you should never do this in front of a crowd of people in case they all... You all got this wrong. That's what I'm saying here. <laughs> Scientifically speaking, if you breathe all of your oxygen out, your, air, your lungs don't try to cram the oxygen. They just bring a healthy, natural amount, but you get a fresher load, and so you should be able to last longer. So if you were a deep-sea diver, you wouldn't take a big breath. What you'd do is you'd breathe out, and then you'd let your lungs naturally inflate, and then that would allow you to be able to breathe for longer. It didn't work here. Try it at home. Um, my point of that all was, my point of that all was that you have to breathe out what God has given you in order to breathe in the more that he wants to give you. That you have to give away what he's already put in your hand for your life to get bigger and bigger. That's why we started with the offering, talking about a life that's more generous. Because it always starts by pouring out what God has given you and trusting that he is going to bring you in. It's this rhythm of breathing, a rhythm of grace that he wants to pour out into your life. So I don't know where you're at. Probably somewhere. Some of you maybe are here and you're, you, you could honestly say, I, I give out too much and I need to spend some time with God. Others, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's like, I'm spending lots of time with God. I, I need to start giving this away. Maybe your breathing is shallow, and you're like, I need to take some deeper breaths. I, I, need, to, I need to breathe deeper with God and see him do more. Um, but I'd like, I'd like to finish by us starting the Beatitudes. Because the Beatitudes start by Jesus basically saying, it doesn't matter where you're at, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done, God blesses you first. And so, could I just ask everyone to close their eyes? I just want us to pause a second. And open ourselves up to God. And this is something that I do in my own prayer time, and I find it really, really helpful for me. Uh, and I'm going to encourage you to do it as well. What I'd love to encourage you to do is, is to imagine yourself somewhere. It doesn't matter where. Just, just try to imagine yourself somewhere that you would consider safe. And imagine that place in detail and imagine you're there. And think about what you can see. Uh, think about what you can feel in this place. Think about what you can smell or what you can touch. Think in some detail about this place. And um, imagine Jesus came to you in this place. And I don't know what Jesus would look like for you. I don't know how he would come for you. He could come like a brother. He could come like a parent. He could come like a cliche Jesus. It doesn't really matter. But just look at him and look at his face and his eyes. What, what, what are they saying to you? 
And if Jesus was to say to you right now, in that safe place, one thing, what would he say to you today? If you felt like you heard something through this from Jesus, if you felt like he said something to you, um, could you just raise your hand for me? Some people. Okay, put your hands down. Um, I believe that the way that prophecy works today, the way that prophecy is basically hearing God's voice, and I believe that every Christian can hear God's voice. And one of the things that we can do is God can give us a word for us, and we can breathe it in, and that's like the breathing in that I was talking about. And we can then choose to breathe that word out and give it away to somebody else. And that word can not just then bless us, it then blesses somebody else as well. And so I was wondering if there's anybody here today who really, really feels like they want to hear a word from God tonight, who came here and just said, Lord, I really want to hear from you. Would anybody be risky and vulnerable enough to say that was me? Sophie, and you at the back, please come, come to me. I know this is risky, but please do. So, so what's your name? Vivian. Sophie Vivian, please just stand here and look forwards. What I'd like us to do is if God gave you a word... If God spoke something to you and it's not entirely inappropriate, I'd like you to give that word to them and speak it out. The word that you just breathed in, I want you to be practical and say, I'm going to breathe that out right now. And, and the, just to say as well, you don't have to accept them. <laughs> if you're like, this doesn't sound like something that's right, I'll also be here guarding it a little bit. I'll be like, no, Robert. But if you feel like you heard a word, I'd love for you to, again, just be bold and bless these women and say, I want to give you this word because this is something that God gave me and he gave it to me to give away. You up for that? So you don't, just, just stay where you are and just shout it out. Just speak it out. It is well. It is well. Anybody else? Go deeper. Go deeper. Be bold, be strong. Be bold, be strong. Believe in me. Follow me. Follow me. Trust, Trust me. Keep moving forwards. Keep moving forwards. I, I was imagining, I was looking at Jerusalem and seeing, you know, there's the cross and then the risen Jesus. And then John at the beginning of the Revelation sees a vision of Jesus. And in his initial reaction is to fall into his feet and, you know, he says to go dead. Jesus says, 
Trust in me. Forgiven. Forgiven. Rest. Rest. Say that again. Rest. Rest. I'm here with you. I'm I'm always here with you. Be healed. healed. Ask Ask me. You are my daughter. You are my daughter. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for being brave to stand up as well. Lord, we want to thank you for those words. We want to thank you that your words are life and your words are truth. And I'm going to ask the band to come up. Lord, we want to spend some time in your presence now. And as we do, we ask you to fill us anew today. We ask you to speak to us today. And Lord, the words that you give us, the peace that you give us, we want to take from here. And we want to breathe out. Lord, help us to have a rhythm of your grace and your love. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.